What's up, y'all? Welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Rashawn, and I'm here with... Lacey! <laughs> and that's it! That's it today! <laughs> it's just me and the homegirl holding it down. The spooky bitches! <laughs> <laughs> we finally got rid of them, Lacey. Oh my we god, it's, it. I mean, it took over a year, but here we are. Honestly, um, though, like we're the last two that should be left together because we, we, have, we have the worst fights. Sean. I think we'll be good this episode. I think. I think so. I think so. I'm hoping. Don't worry. This is just a very special app. Josh and Mello will be back in a few days. But we've brought in some reinforcements. He has been on the show before. He joined us for a really great episode on Death Proof. He is a filmmaker. He's a host of Wise Cracks Show Me the Meaning. So welcome back, Raymond Creamer. Hey, gang. Nice to see that you finally... uh reach the limit of your friendship with Josh and uh, Carmela. <laughs> very, very happy to sub in for them both. We're glad to have you. Yeah, glad to be here. It's October and uh, we've done a few spooky eps. We survived them. Lacey and I but are still tooth friends. Tooth and nail, but we got, we got through them. <laughs> You've been doing some good, uh, I've been listening lately. You've been doing some really good work. Thank you. Raymond, what's your like go-to spooky season have to watch i do have a list of favorites i haven't gotten to any of them this year though some of my favorites every season that i have to watch adam wingard's the guest i love that movie it's a perfect halloween movie great vibes great soundtrack great performances from uh, dan stevens and micah monroe Micah monroe y'all did your your top 20 list halloween essentials and i uh, i gotta throw one into the ring obviously the list is canon nothing will challenge the list we all worship the list but Lacey, if you have not seen Jack Clayton's adaptation of Something Wicked This Way Comes, the Ray Bradbury story. Um, I haven't, but I love the book. Sure. So <laughs> Jonathan Price stars as Mr. Dark in uh, in this Ooh. adaptation. It's a, it's a Disney adaptation. It, that is an essential October watch for me. It is one of the most autumnal movies ever made. Jack Clayton, who's one of my favorite filmmakers, he also did um, he did The Pumpkin Eater. He did The Innocence with Deborah Carr, which is like one of the best ghost stories ever committed to film. Rashawn's not crazy about it, but what else is new? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I liked it fine. You liked it fine. I know. I'm just giving you. I'm, I'm razzing you, my friend. I know. Um, I got to see it at the new Bev. And that yeah, was a really, yeah. really great experience. You uh, you accompanied me. I dragged Rashawn to a screening of it to see it on celluloid. <laughs> um, if, if it's not like scary or startling in like a visceral way, there's some really unsettling aspects of it. I, when I was a kid watching it, there's a scene where Jonathan Price, who I cannot, I cannot stress enough, is like one of my favorite villain performances in the history of film. He has the power. You're familiar with the uh, the book, Lacey. Rashawn, have you have you read it or seen it? I've only seen it. Um, so they, they have the carousel that can take people back in time and, and restore their youth. He's holding this book and talking to Jason Robards, who plays the father of, uh, uh, of the young boy in the movie. And he's like auctioning off Jason Robards' youth. And it's just this beautiful scene where he's, he's like tempting him and saying like, tell me where the children are and I'll, I'll turn you 30 again. And then 
when he doesn't respond, he goes, okay, 30's gone, 31, 31, still a great age. And he's just like auctioning it off year by year. And I remember as a kid being like, God damn, that's so fucking bleak, so impactful. Um, and I, I can't stress enough if, if you haven't seen that movie. I think it's maybe a little bit tough to find. I'm not exactly sure what the, the rights are. Maybe there's a dispute with the Bradbury estate because I don't even think it's on Disney Plus and I'm not sure that they've ever done a, a Blu-ray release of it. But uh, if you want to see it, I'd be more than happy to lend you my copy of it. It's it's phenomenal. And just based on your tastes from other stuff, Lazy, I, I think you would really dig it. Cool. Thanks. Ray just gave us a really great recommendation. Lacey. Has there been something that you've watched this month that was new to you or that you would recommend to our listeners? Something that really stood out to you for this October watch? This movie was, I think I mentioned it on our Halloween list. It was this movie or The Craft. And I wound up going with The Craft for our Halloween list. But I rewatched for probably the 80th time Practical Magic this week. And listen, it, I, I couldn't put it on a Halloween list because I will watch it at any time of year. It's not specifically the Halloween for me. But oh my God, it's witchy. It's sweet. It's whimsical. It, it's everything that you want from like an autumnal Halloween-y experience. If you haven't watched it yet, please go watch it. <laughs> How amazing is Diane Weist in that movie? Oh my god! I mean, and Stockard, but I wanted them to. Great. I have, I have wonderful aunts. I, I do. I have wonderful aunts in my life, but I wanted them to be like my additional aunts yeah. <laughs> in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that movie, and then around the time I was growing up in like middle to high school, Charmed. Oh came my out, god! Yeah, and it just felt like an extension of that. And I'm, I am obsessed with Charm and like Buffy. Those were all kind of at the same time for me and I was just it was just exactly what I needed at the right time (laughs) I also like there there's a moment in the movie that like I don't even have to be watching the movie in whole I just have to hear about 30 seconds of dialogue and I am a sobbing mess and it is when Sandra Bullock's husband passes away and Mm. she comes to the ants with the book and she just is begging them please please I know you can do this please and the way that Sandra Bullock delivers it, she's just so heartbroken and defeated. And it's so, it's just so raw and real, otherworldly. She's so talented. That's um, our, our good friend Nicole Kidman as well, right? Okay. Kid. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Practical Magic. It's uh, right, right to the top of my watch list now. I recently got Mel to watch something. This wasn't a first watch for me, but... I sat through the entirety of Sleepaway Camp just to get Carmela to the last five minutes. Sat through the entirety sounds like a bit of editorializing <laughs> on your part. <laughs> that's, that's a little I watched it. I watched it. I know I enjoy that movie a lot, but I know that it, it can be an acquired taste. Do you know anything about it, Lise? Nothing. Uh, I've heard of it, but I, have, I know nothing do. about that it. That will never do. Considering how things went with Malignant, I'm not going to tell you to watch this. Okay, great. But <laughs> the last five <laughs> minutes of Sleepaway Camp are kind of what what has kept Sleepaway Camp alive. Just to get to that point and, and see Carmela's reaction was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I'm gonna say I'm gonna save myself from getting yelled at and say do not watch Sleepaway Camp, Lacey. Yeah, but like now I have to because now I need I know. to know. I need to know. It's what reverse the last psychology. Five is. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, you you watched uh, Malignant there, Lacey? Oh, I sure did. Yeah, what'd you think of that? <laughs> it was not for me, Raymond. It was not for me. For whom was it? I I I, I don't know. I still like have no articulate thoughts about Malignant because it just was so jarring and I the whole time I was waiting for s- something to click for me to be like, "Oh, that's why Rashawn wanted me to watch it." And it just <laughs> never happened. It never happened. It was it was not not my cup of tea. I was enjoying it. I was having a good time. I, I agree with you, Lacey. There's some stuff that's like, uh, I don't I don't know who this is for. No. <laughs> um, but I was, I almost felt bad because like, I do think there's a lot of stuff in there where he is, uh, James Wan is, is very, very knowledgeable about what he is doing. And he's trying to elicit a laugh at, at points. But because the movie is such a strange blend of tones, there were times where I was having like earnest reactions to it. And I felt bad because I was like, I felt like other people in the theater were like, oh, what? don't don't laugh right now. We don't know how to feel about this. Like there was just an energy. There was just an energy in the theater. I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to engage with this the way that I want to out of deference to whatever everyone else is going through right now. Yeah. <laughs> I it's like I said to Rashawn, it's such an interesting concept and I, I I I get it and I'm on board with it conceptually, but the execution of it just missed me completely. Yeah, that police station scene is pretty boss though. <laughs> okay, but it's so no, we can't get into it. We cannot uh, it's so clearly just someone with a face mask walking <laughs> forward. All right, spoilers, spoilers ahead for Malignant, sorry, everybody. Sorry, Let's get sorry. into it. Let's just say it. <laughs> no, it's... Ugh. From the time the back of her head rips open in lockup to the massacre in the police station, I just, I don't know what I'm watching, but I'm no. enjoying it. Wow, it's a lot. It's a lot <laughs> it's, it's on a lot. screen. Something else that like is required viewing for me every Halloween season. Three shorts, and they're all on Disney Plus. The Skeleton Dance. Oh yes, I was Tr- gonna guess that. <laughs> yes, Trick or Treat, and Lonesome Ghosts. I love to have those on in the background while I'm baking in October. Oh, perfect background noise. Totally. Or, you know, decorating or whatever. Just putting. I wish there, I'm sure there, this is out there. There's got to be like a YouTube playlist of just Halloween cartoons or something like that. I'm going to look it up after this. Yeah. Make sure. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's, shall we get into it? Yeah, I really want to. I was nervous awesome. and then I was like, no, I, no, let's do it. Oh, we're good. What are we talking about today? I don't think we're fighting. What are we talking about today? Man, man, night miss. Mid- oh, you had one job. Man, night miss. <laughs> It's Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass. Good Midnight Mass. I know I'm not who you expected to see. Just know I'm only here to help, and I look forward to meeting you all. So tell me when you're gonna let me in. I'm a pretty rational guy. Something's happening here. You're gonna let me in. We are living in a miraculous time. You're gonna let me in. 
I mean, what's a little crazy between friends, right? Midnight Mass is a 2021 Netflix miniseries created by Mike Flanagan. It stars Zach Guilford, Kate Siegel, Hamish Linklater, Samantha Sloyan, uh, Raul Coley, and Henry Thomas. Uh, this miniseries centers on a small, isolated island community, a group of people who have their lives changed and their faith tested with the arrival of a new young priest. Mike Flanagan has quite the reputation over at Netflix. This is his third miniseries after The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. He also did Hush with his wife. I think they wrote the screenplay together, and she's also the main actress, uh, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, Midnight Mass was a passion project for him that I think he pitched around 2014 initially at Netflix and was not able to get it made. And I think after Hill House and Bly Manor, he had the the heft to finally get this made. I was I was already in, just not really knowing much about it. But yeah, I, w- I was a fan of, of the previous miniseries, of course. And so I just jumped in and I really ended up loving it. Definitely did not go where I was expecting. The supernatural creatures that he brings into the series had no idea that was coming. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit more about it after um, some pre-spoiler impressions. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of Midnight Mass. Lace, what do you think? Oh my god, I loved every second of Midnight Mass. <laughs> I yeah. was a huge fan. I think I watched uh, Hill House two or three times. I loved Bly Manor. I know it wasn't everybody's favorite, but I really, really enjoyed Bly Manor last year. Basically, I'm at the point where I will watch anything that Mike, Mike Flanagan makes because I am such a huge fan. But I started Midnight Mass and I really couldn't stop once I started. I think this is one of the most thoughtfully written pieces of cinema that I've seen in a really long time. It's a really beautiful showcase of what supernatural and horror can be and what it can communicate and deliver to an audience that's willing to go on the ride with them. And I think it's just a really beautiful exploration of of, of humankind and human desire. And uh, I just, I, I did, I loved every minute of it. Raymond? I really loved uh, Haunting of Hill House. Um, I think Mike Flanagan's a, a very talented fellow. So Midnight Mass was definitely, yeah, as soon as, as, soon as Netflix uh, was recommending it to me, I put it in the list and gave it a spin. And I do not watch a lot of TV. It, it just is one of those things I, I don't make a lot of time for. And even shows that I like, I generally will fall off after just two or three episodes just because I, I, I don't have the patience. But this, this was uh, quite a gift. It was, um, it, it was real pleasure to watch through. Um, great performances all around you know there there is some some chatter online some criticism from folks about um the script being a little bit didactic uh very monologue at parts uh, i don't think anyone would deny that with a few exceptions um because i think there were some times where it could have done with a little bit of trimming dialogue wise um i found the uh, the project's earnestness very refreshing good performances all around and uh, spoiler alert, there's some hunks in this fucking show. Um, I, I, I will just say one, one more thing. I'm sure we'll talk about performances more later on, but, uh, 
I don't know that he's the standout of the show. A lot of people have been obviously talking about Hamish Linklater, who's phenomenal in it. Um, Kate Siegel, good as always in, uh, in, in Mike Flanagan's work. Uh, and also uh, Rahul Kohli is really good. But I've been a Zach Guilford stan ever since Friday Night Lights. I think that the, the fact that he wasn't nominated, at least nominated for an Emmy for that show, is just uh, another... It's reason 1,759 why uh, award shows just have no purchase with me. Um, I think he's a phenomenal actor, and it's so great to see him uh, get a role like this uh, that really knows how to play to his strengths, and uh, I, I thought he was great in it. Before this tale, Bloody Revenge reaches its climax. I have a few unanswered questions. It's our little secret. My girlfriend already seen the movie. She said they only play together in the end. So I can't say when it comes to like supernatural creatures or what have you that I'm always drawn to a tale about vampires. I did not know this about you. Yeah, I'm not against it at all. But if you were to press me for the issue, it'd be like, uh, I think I like vampire movies. I don't know. <laughs> but I think what I love so much about what he did here is that you really don't realize what's going on until maybe like book four or five. Mm-hmm. That it's fully vampires. I think probably with the revelation of, of who Hamish is playing. Yeah. Um, and the reveal of who his character is. Even then, I still was I still didn't think vampires. I just thought something happened and he came back brand new. But even once they start, once the angel comes to to Crockett Island, it's still there's nothing typical or, or cliche about what he does with these vampires. I think even the way they feed is so new and chilling and, and really earnest i think is a great word it's just there he's presents them as they are there's so much at, at least with hamish when when he changes finally there's so much human <laughs> feeling in the the struggle of i want this and i'm feeling this and i'm fighting this urge but then the exploration of actually consuming the blood and how that feels like it was such an interesting character watch because it wasn't just bloodlust like we see later on in the series it was very like calculated and thought out and thoughtful because it's not until he kills joe collie right yeah we see him feed yeah yeah i I just thought it was a great visualization i love that there's no fangs Mm mm-hmm so that I think the visualization of, of when people turn is the kind of the red, the red eyes, which is so The cool. reflectiveness that they use too in the yeah. eyes, especially at night, is such a cool thing. It's a cool, it's a cool <laughs> yeah. touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's not showy about it. It doesn't really lose any of its power. It's, it, it's a pretty cool little touch seeing just those, those eyes sort of like on yeah. the edge of the frame or, or like back set into the, the, like the tall grass uh, on the, uh, the borders of the island. They also use it inconsistently and purposefully. You see the twinge in Bev's character when she's has a moment of anger or 
you know, or of uncertainty. It, it's every time a character had a, a flash of it, I just thought it was so well used. Yeah, it's a good visual signifier of like when they're, you know, their their better angels are prevailing or not. It is weird. I'm curious what y'all's thoughts on um, Hamish Linklater's his like transition into a vampire takes place much differently than everyone else's because correct me if i'm wrong he he just slowly kind of maladapts to sunlight right there's never a time at which everyone else who gets turned into a vampire has to like die and then be reborn i think and this is just my like what i interpreted and saw and i am probably totally wrong but i think bev poisoned him the slow decline we see we see him like with hunger pains i think you know when he's he has those keel over moments but then he has a very similar death to joe's dog oh that's that's right so he does he does actually okay i forgot about that death scene i agree with you i just thought it was intentional like like she he asked her to do it oh okay because she walks into the house thinking that she's looking for Monsignor Pruitt and the chest is open, I think. And then he walks out and then we don't see their interaction. And then I think it's at the end of that episode when he quote unquote dies. Mm. And that's when he doesn't go out into the sunlight anymore. That's right. So I guess because when I was watching it, because that's the first time that you see that happen or that you, mm-hmm. you see the, you know, the transformation, so to speak. In my mind, I was like, oh, I think he just, I probably thought of it as like, he, he, he's just getting like vampire sick and now he's, now he's a full vampire. But then you're <laughs> right. As the show went on, everyone else who died, died, who was poisoned, died in the exact same way and was reborn in the same way. So I, I totally, uh mix that up in my head it's a great hidden reveal especially because he and he and bev are in cahoots pretty early on mm. the thing that i had maybe an, i don't want to call it an issue because i really love this series but i wish he hadn't broken good i guess for lack of a better word bev outpaces him in in her fanatic way of thinking yeah. and he kind of takes the back seat and that mm-hmm. in those last two episodes mm-hmm. and i just didn't i didn't see that track as clearly as as the first the first half of the series with him i i think it makes sense and i i do think it's a a worthwhile distinction between the two of them because bev's whole vibe is that she is she is the kind of person who uses her faith as a cudgel and sees it as a way to exclude people rather than include people. Whereas uh, uh, Monsignor Pruitt or Father Paul, as he's known in the the first few episodes, I guess, um, I'm trying to remember everybody's names in this, but Hamish Linklater's character, I think is like, he's, he's a true believer in the most generous sense of the term. Mm. From, from the beginning, he sees this as like a blessing. He sees it as, a grace that he is he has been tasked with extending to others before he before he understands what the the implications or you know consequences of that might be so i i think it tracks with his character i think he he gets like really worked up in some of those sermons but it's also 
I kind of like that. I like thinking about it sort of retroactively now, and I'm curious how it would play on a rewatch, knowing what we know. Mm. Um, but when he gets so worked up in those sermons, in retrospect, it's one of those things that's like, oh, this is a guy who is who has to carry an earth-shattering revelation in the most biblical sense of the word. He is the the next chapter of the Bible, essentially, at least in in his... Once again, in his most earnest assessment, he thinks that he is here to change the world for the better. It is that thing of like, he has to reckon with this notion of what is the great res responsibility that accompanies this great power with which I've been entrusted. Lo and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were afraid. Have faith, brothers and sisters. I would not make you see what you have seen. I would not ask you to choose what you may choose without first showing you God's messenger. And remember, brothers and sisters, have faith that in the Bible, every time they mention an angel, when an angel appears to we humans, we are afraid. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zachariah saw him, he was terrified. I know you talked about Zach in the beginning. Was there a character or performance outside of those two that stuck with you, with either of you? There were so many beautiful moments between Riley and Aaron, between Zach Guilford and Kate Siegel. I mean, both of their monologues about death, mm -hmm. Emmys, give them the Emmys because they were so well done. For me, Bev stole the whole series. Like <laughs> she, her, Samantha Sloyan's performance is so fucking good. It's so good. And I thought, I, I think I would have had a problem, Mershon, with, with Father Paul and his kind of redemption at the end. I think I would have had more of a problem with that if they didn't maintain how bad Bev is through to literally as the sun is coming up, she cowardly starts trying to dig herself a hole to hide herself rather than face, you know, whatever it is, whatever comes next. She's just so perfectly that person who who feigns the belief that they are doing and living the way that they're supposed to, so they are better. They're better than everybody, but they are God's child. Dovetailing off of that, Lacey, the, the other thing too, you gotta give up uh, to that actor is that that is, A, it's not the kind of role that's very flattering. At all, no. And, and B, even if you're having fun and luxuriating in the villainy of it all, characters like that that have no real arc that never change and are only revealed in a way. They're just revealed to be like worse and worse <laughs> and worse. That can be, I, I think that can be really challenging. So yeah, all, all praises to her. She's the kind of person you don't love to hate. You just hate. You just hate her the whole time. And I love yeah. performances like that. I think they're so admirable. It's such yeah. a it's such a courageous uh, kind of role to take on that that sort of uh, that that sort of unflattering role. Mm -hmm. I brought in my own baggage with her because she sure. indirectly killed Derek Shepard, but that's not her <laughs> fault. <laughs> but she's such an incredible actress. I just I love her so much. But the only other person, not the only other person, 
the other person that I would single out would be Annabeth Gish. Oh my god, yes. Um, she has a really great character that is very easy for like the gay or lesbian character that's been ostracized from the church to kind of be one note and not really get any dimension. But I think she has that as well as what's happening with her mother, as well as behind the scenes, she's kind of figuring out everything that's going on. And I think the monologue that she gives to Aaron, where she's like, yeah, this is what you're saying is crazy. And there's kind of a reveal yeah, that she's, yeah. she's figured it out. I thought she handled all that great. And then she has what I think is my favorite scene in the whole series with, with Hamish in the finale where he tells her that he's just so proud of her Mm. and it's right before she gets shot. That brought me to tears. Like not, I know there's a lot of emotional moments in the whole series, but that final scene between them just destroyed me. It was so good. And then to have her deny the healing and like yeah, the potential sure. for moving forward with him and her mom. Mm-hmm. All of that is so emotionally loaded and so well-written, so well-performed. And definitely, um, I-, I was going to say Alex Esso too, who was, um, she's the star of uh, Starry Eyes from a few years ago. She's a mm-hmm. phenomenal actor and she plays her mom, who, as you guys know, is aging in reverse throughout the whole movie. She's she's getting Ben buttoned. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're, the first time that they introduce her mom in the movie, I couldn't tell it was Alex Esso, but I could tell it was not an old lady. For sure, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so if I, I mean, it's, you know, it's a quibble. I'm sure it's something that they're accounting for when they're making the, the show. But it was one of those things where I was just like, well, I know they're going to do something with her. There's no <laughs> way that they would just hire a young woman to play an old woman. But I think uh, all credit due to uh, to, to her and, and Tamish Linklater as well, because that I think it's just the last episode where they're reunited in their in their like young bodies essentially, and that's where their entire backstory is sort of laid bare, and there's so much emotional heavy lifting that has to happen between those two in a very short amount of of screen time it's kind of once again it's one of those really challenging things it's like man we've had seven episodes to build these characters relationship and now we're changing the entire dynamic at least as it's being uh as as it's being revealed to the audience in that moment and uh, the fact that they come out of it not not only like serviceably and doing well with the scene, but like find some really emotionally affecting stuff in there. All all credit to those actors. Uh, really really phenomenal uh, uh, work between them. She also has that really great moment in the church, coming out of the church after Father Paul gives that big fire and brimstone. Yes, and <laughs> like she, you will be warriors. <laughs> And when she comes out and she's like, you're not going back there. That is not the man that I knew. It's And that's like our first little like inkling into their relationship too. I mean, it's all, everything, all of them were so, so, so well cast. So well done. And it's, it's laid there. Like the groundwork is there, especially probably on a a rewatch because he's a great person. He's an incredible person and he's an actual decent priest. But you're, for a second, I was like, why is he so adamant to bring her the sacrament every day? And once the reveal happens, you're like, well, he's 
yes, he's doing his duty as a priest, but it also this is like the long lost love of his life mm-hmm. you know, and the chance to see her every day, even if it's just for 15 minutes and she has dementia, like he's not going to pass that up. Mm-hmm. And it's just so layered and, and really well done. Yeah, there's some some lovely stuff. And, and speaking of, you know, obviously, I, I already uh, beat the Zach Guilford drum a little bit. But Rashawn, I, I remember texting you right after episode five, right after I had watched episode five. And I think that is, for me, at least that that is like, the finale of that, not of the show, but out of any episode, that is the one that I think is just so perfectly wrapped up at the end. I think the way that I described it to you, Rashawn, is I think a great ending is one that is like both both shocking, but also inevitable at the same time. And just spending the time that you do with that character and he gives such a such a just restrained and soulful performance throughout the show. You know, they they layer in a few things when they're out on that boat together where they they kind of suggest a little bit that maybe Kate Siegel thinks he's going to bite her or eat her or harm her in some way. But you're just like, no, no, not Matt Saracen. I knew you wouldn't believe any of this unless you saw. I want you to run. But I believe you're going to row back there and do everything you can to try and save them. I'm just so sorry you have to see this. I love you, Aaron Green. I love you my whole life. One way or another. I love you too. I did my best. In the third episode, I, another thing that I singled out was the Holly Holy montage to the, the, the Neil Diamond song, mm. yeah. which... I think is maybe one of the finest sequences of, of Mike Flanagan's entire career, let alone just this series. And I remember watching that montage and thinking like, this is doing everything it should building up this sense of hope and optimism within the universe of the film while also signaling to the audience that like, it's, it's, it's going to get real bad from here. Like you cannot, you cannot sustain this level of optimism for the rest of a show called Midnight Mass. Um, there are a handful of, uh, of sequences throughout this series. I think that montage, the finale of episode five are, are a couple examples that are just so finely tuned and that work as just a perfect culmination of the storytelling up until that point. I do want to talk about just the subject of of faith and not delve too deep into religion or anything but um i'm pretty devout believer and and, in person of faith um i know this was mike flanagan's kind of delving into his his upbringing as catholic and he's now an atheist i believe but i think what i loved the most about this is that there's no judgment coming from behind the camera Mm -hmm. and in the writing and I think everyone, even Bev, I think everyone's belief is, is just presented as as pure as possible. Yes, Bev weaponizes her, her religion and, and the Bible, but I think every, there's not a second where I don't believe that every single person on that island believes what they live. 
and whether your mileage may vary personally, but I think what he did beautifully is to sh just show that as removed as possible. There's never any moment where I feel like he has put his like personal opinion on on religion or people that believe. And I just really loved how how delicately he he handled that. I'm like nervous to say this. <laughs> but it was it was handled less like religion to me and it was handled more like a cult almost in, mm -hmm. in the aspect of like I mean li they literally drink the Kool-Aid at one point yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. in the series um but what I think I agree with you completely that I I think it's handled with what could have been such a heavy-handed commentary on organized religion it's handled very delicately with any negative connotation or representation of organized religion and in the church that you may have taken away throughout the heartbeat at the end of the people of the town coming together and singing near my god to thee together in spite of their incoming demise that to me is like the definition of faith that is yeah. You are literally in the process of falling and believing that something is going to catch you on the other side. And right. that to me was a really beautiful description of faith and belief Believe, for this yeah. series as a whole. Sure. I, I agree with you both that there is there is a, not necessarily a sense of remove, um, but he's satisfied to depict these folks um, practicing as they practice and and there's never any sense of like judgment or endorsement it's you know and, and because there are so many characters and he has so much time to develop delve into their individual perspectives he is able to i don't want to say pick apart faith because that sounds as though he's being overly critical but he's yeah. he's able to consider faith from so many different perspectives and he has the the, the time to to really give those uh, ideas, space, and nuance, and room to grow, and even to the point where Lacey, you had mentioned uh, that exchange between Zach Guilford and Kate Siegel, where they're both talking about what they think happens when they die, and Zach Guilford, who is explicitly an atheist at the beginning of the show, the way that he describes like the organic and metabolic process of a body breaking down and being reassimilated into life on Earth is. I'm sure by design, it approaches the transcendent. Like it, it he is discussing this very scientific-based and uh, observable uh, process in much the same way that people of faith describe their faith. And I think that is is something that Flanagan is kind of hitting on with a lot of this is that like, he touches on it with Rahul Kohli's character and his son that regardless of what you believe, regardless of the, the deity to whom you pray or what your dogma may be, there are a lot of these sort of shared energies and threads that connect a lot of, uh, a lot of religions. And for some folks that works and for some folks it doesn't, who are we to judge? I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a tame episode. Uh, I knew it would be just a a great discussion because I had, had conversations with both of you about it and I'm glad we were able to get together and just, just talk about it because I think it, it deserves some discussion and as many eyes as possible. Not enough. I 
that once once Netflix gets the uh, the WCA bump, <laughs> <laughs> Midnight Mass going back it's... to number one. <laughs> Mikey Mikey Flan gonna be writing you a nice thank you email. <laughs> we like gift baskets, Mike. <laughs> Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> any other uh, any more thoughts? Things you want to point out? I don't think good? so. I think I, just to bookend what we were talking about with with faith and religion. I think Raymond, you put it perfectly perfectly at the beginning of the episode is that it's not weaponized and it's not exaggerated in any form because everybody in the show is doing what they believe is best in earnest and I mean that just kind of encapsulates the the series as a whole Uh, it's just a very heartfelt exploration of humanity I think you guys want to play a quick game yeah. I want to play a game. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. guessing games. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. Really so we talked at the top about uh, some of the things that we had watched this month. I love horror. Lacey loves horror. I know Raymond loves horror. I've been said to love horror. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just going to be a rapid fire. Yes, no, or maybe so. I'm going to throw out some titles of some upcoming horror films, whether it's the end of this year, next year, or the year after that. Just give me a yes, no, or maybe so. Are you looking forward to it? Are you going to watch it? Real quick, just something fun for the end of the end of the month, you know? You ready? Yeah. Our first movie is Antlers. Maybe so? I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. Produced by Guillermo del Toro. Next movie, uh, Paranormal Activity Next to Ken. Yes. I don't know. I haven't. I don't think I've seen all the other ones. What? That's a maybe so. <laughs> How many are there? This would be the seven, I believe. Rashawn over there, like I need a yes or a no, man. <laughs> <laughs> or a maybe so. Or a maybe. It's a maybe so. so. That sounds like a maybe so. Next up, I believe this is going to Netflix. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What? Mm-hmm. When did they do that? Maybe so. That sounds like a no. Like, I will probably, some late evening when I want to watch a scary movie, I'll probably turn it on. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre is never one that I reach for. Let's have a look here. I believe Netflix just acquired it. So yet to come out. Elsie Fisher, eighth grade herself. Okay, then yes. Um, I changed my answer. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Is it just a standard remake of the... uh, It is a sequel. I believe it's, it's a, a sequel. I believe it's a direct sequel to the original. Uh oh. Against a they're fighting for their lives against a 60-year-old Leatherface. Um I'm going to say no cuz I think Leatherface has had enough. 60 years old, he doesn't need to be chasing people. Leave him alone. <laughs> Great. Next movie, Halloween Ends. Yes. Huh. Don't don't. Don't. I was the nicest. You are the nicest. I, I mean, it's got to be a yes. We all need to see the th- the thrilling third or fourth conclusion of the Halloween <laughs> series. <laughs> Resident okay. Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. No. Fuck no. Unless Paul W.S. Anderson's <laughs> behind the camera and Mila Jovovich is in front of it, then I don't care to see a Resident Evil movie. All right. The Black Phone. Maybe so. Scott Der- Scott Derrickson, right? Ethan Hawke? This is Scott Derrickson and Ethan Hawke. Oh, absolutely. That's a double what's up. I haven't heard of it. Sorry. That's okay. 
They direct. Uh, he directed Sinister. Sinister. Starring Ethan Hawke and Bagul. No, I love Sinister. Okay, yeah. Skull, which is a Predator prequel. N- no. <laughs> I'm not um, into no 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 <laughs> i'm just now hearing about this movie let me look let me look this one up it's a no from me but i still want to see what's going on <laughs> great that's <enough. laughs> uh, once we're done with halloween ends we will be getting a new trilogy of the exorcist with who maybe so ellen burston will be back david gordon green is in the i believe the director's chair Linda Blair returning to the bed. Is she really? No. No. Is she? Is Linda Blair coming back? Oh, no. Just just Ellen no. Burstyn. What? Leslie Odom Jr. Maybe so. Like, mostly yes. <laughs> okay. But they should, so. okay. they should give Linda something. I don't know. I don't know. They got three movies, so maybe At she'll At the be. very least, they should give her a nice, fat paycheck. Yes. Yes. For everything they put her through. Um, I don't care about The Exorcist. I don't, I don't get that movie. Okay. Why is she floating like that? Who knows? I don't know. Next movie, Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> no. No? No, okay. I don't like the Evil Dead movies. I don't know. Oh, break my heart, I'm Lacey. Sorry. Okay. Bring it to the pod. That's okay. Is Bruce Campbell no. returning for this? <laughs> He's producing it. I believe oh. it's set in a city. I'm looking at this here. The tagline is, no more cabin in the woods. You know what I say? No, that's not Dead? The Evil Dead, hey, the Evil Dead I know, my Evil Dead, takes place in a cabin in the woods. Whatever. <laughs> Next movie, Hellraiser. No. Uh, it's a no from me. Um, a pinhead has had enough. 60 years old and he's still chasing people around. Give him a break. Next movie, Jordan Peele's Nope. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Steve, Stephen, Stephen Young, Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, absolutely. Kiki Palmer. Hey, we were talking. We were talking about how uh, how handsome the Midnight Mass cast is. Nope, been doing so bad myself. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty spiffy. And finally, January fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Scream. Um, no. You won't let me watch the uh, the third and the fourth ones, Rashawn. So I don't what? know that I'll be ready. Because you're a monster. Me... Well, oh, you don't like them. It's, well, I just I mean, don't get. I like they're fine. Okay, here's the here's the thing. Here's they're the fine. Thing. I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of slasher movies. Yeah, that's all. That's fair. I rec I recognize the artistry and the uh, the the significance that the Scream franchise has. Um, all respect to Wes Craven, uh, but I've just never I just don't connect much with slashers. So Scream Scream has never really done it for me. That said. There are some great sequences in those that I've really enjoyed, and I should uh, I should give three and four a shot so I can be ready for uh, Return of the Scream, or what? Or is it just going to be called like Five Cream? How's it look on the poster? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Scream. You saw oh, Dear okay. Evan Hansen without me, but I will be with you opening day for. I will for not see Scream without you. Yeah. You better. I, I, I. You better. Um, I am a yes on all of those. By the way, uh, no surprise. No surprise. Yeah. Um, wrapping things up, I think we can all agree that Midnight Mass is a fantastic miniseries that masterfully explores faith and the supernatural with a fantastic ensemble cast doing excellent work. And we will follow Michael Flanagan into the dark. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll drink the Kool-Aid for Mike Flynn again. <laughs> I'll, drink, I'll take the sacrament. <laughs> thanks for being here, Ray. Yeah, thanks for having me. This this was a real pleasure. I was so I was so excited when you asked me to do this last night because um, you know, I I love the show and I love what y'all do and it's always uh, always a pleasure to get to talk to you as well, Lacey. Oh, thanks, Raymond. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Let us know where we can find you. What do you got coming up on Show Me the Meaning? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm at Crematoria. Um, you can also find me on Show Me the Meaning. It's Wisecracks Movie Podcast. You actually, you had a really great episode uh, come out on uh, Show Me the Meaning of Pan's Labyrinth. And it, I listened oh, to it and listening. it was wonderful. It's a really great discussion about a really fantastic movie. No, uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on. Rashawn, we'll have to have you back on. Yeah, that's it for this very special episode of When Santa Files Attack. You know where to find us. Rate, review, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Twitter and Instagram at CinephileAttack. And uh, if you have a suggestion, we have some more listener episodes coming up. Hit us up, WhenCinephilesAttack at gmail.com. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Thank you. Lacey. Thank you, Rashawn. Happy Halloween, listeners. Happy Halloween. Hope you're having a spooky weekend. We'll catch you guys later. Let's go.